Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome on and all to the Storybox podcast, the place to be if you are a lover of stories. My name is Jay Phantom, former real estate agent now, living my purpose, sharing amazing stories from people all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Storybox podcast. And my friends, this is going to be an awesome episode because I have Amy Jo Martin on the podcast today. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about Amy Jo Martin, she is an author, speaker, founder, and CEO. She's a podcast host of an incredible podcast that I absolutely love called Why Not Now. She's had incredible people on there. I'll say a few in a moment. But Amy Jo helps people do different things. She guides them down the black diamond slopes of business and life. She's the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Renegades Write the Rules, and she's the host of the Why Not Now podcast, and she's a founder of the Renegade Bootcamp. Prior to becoming an entrepreneur, Amy Jo uh, began working for the NBA's Phoenix Suns during their 2005-2006 season. These were the wild, wild West days, as she calls it, on social media, and there were no rules or regulations in place. After her boss at the Suns singled Amy Jo out as being a renegade, Amy took this as a positive rather than not a negative. She had her first why not now idea. In that moment of bravery, she took the leap and founded Digital Royalty, one of the first ever social media agencies to help corporations, celebrities, and sports entities humanize their brands online through social communication channels. Amy Jo has worked closely with world-renowned brands such as Hilton Worldwide, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Shaquille O'Neal to successfully humanize their presence. She's also on her podcast. She's had many, many incredible people from Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, and Mel Robbins, just to name a few. She has inspired more than over a million people over the years, and this is a fantastic conversation. Uh, We dive deep into Amy Jo's story and why she does what she does in the first place. And this interview, I, I... I have to say, you know, I don't intend on making people cry on on my podcast, but this one was so real and so raw and very authentic. And one of the questions made Amy Jo tear up. 
So you guys are going to have to wait and see what question I ask her that makes Amy Jo tear up. Uh, she's probably the fourth or fifth guest now that has actually teared up or, or got really emotional on, on my podcast. And I don't intend on doing that. That's just the power of having real and authentic conversations with people um, as as best that uh, we, we possibly can. So with that all being said, my friends, I have a huge favor to ask you. you. You guys probably know what I'm going to say already, but if you do get something from this episode, please firstly share it around to all your friends and your family members. I guarantee you they're going to feel some sort of inspiration from listening to Amy Jo and her story. Uh, also, let us know what you think by leaving a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, your support would be greatly appreciated and I know that it goes a long way to building this incredible community. I have some exciting news uh, all coming up, amazing guests lined up for you guys, but I need your support in building this incredible um, platform and community. So with that all being said, my friends, it's time to dive into the story box and hear the wonderful and the inspiring Amy Jo Martin's story. Oh, well, thank you for having me, and thanks for the the nice intro there. I appreciate I, it. I apologize if it went a little bit long, but I had to um, I had to talk about how good you you, you are <laughs> and how all the amazing things that you've done over the years. So it's an absolute honor and, and real pleasure to have you here. Um, thank you so much for making the time to come on my podcast. Um, I'm a fan of your one. Before we dive into, I guess, your backstory and, and how and why you got started doing all this, I have one question that I, I normally love asking people, which is, what does success look like to you? Oh, that's such a great question. I, I think my answer has changed over the years. Success used to be the external things, right? The recognition, the... Uh, title, the money, the whatever outside, and now it's an inside job. So to me, success is living in alignment. Mm. And I strongly believe that where passion, purpose, and skill collide, bliss resides. There's an intersection, and in that sweet spot is where I choose to live, and that's my priority. So um, I love helping others to find that intersection from, for themselves. Mm. What are some things at the moment, Amy, that you are really, really passionate about besides helping people? Besides helping people? Um, well, I am a new mom as of about a year ago, a little more than a year ago. So that's, that's just been um, incredible. And my son came into the world with a big splash three months early as I was on an airplane. So that was quite the experience. What's that story? Um, <laughs> well, I was flying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably the most intense and, and wonderful experience of my life. But at the time, it was very adverse. I was 30,000 feet in the air flying um, to Denver, Colorado and for a layover. And I started to go into labor. Uh, and my son was only 27 weeks. So I had three more months of being pregnant at least. And um, a little more than three, actually. And long story short, the flight landed and I was about uh, an hour away from delivering. Um, and they rushed me to the hospital and I had him and he was in the NICU for three months. 
90 days in the hospital, but he is healthy and happy. He's uh, now 17 months old, 15 months corrected, depending on which you go with birth date or due date. And he was born at two pounds. So it was quite an adverse situation that taught me a lot about leveraging adversity and making it an asset. And so, um, yeah, super grateful about that. So our little micro preemie is crawling around outside right now. <laughs> I can imagine that would have been a very difficult and trying time for you all. And what I'm curious about, Amy, is what was going through your mind as your son lay in the NICU? He's only two pounds, which is not very heavy at all for those people that don't know. What was going through your mind? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I I look back and some days were a bit of a blur, but I I really like to balance my my left and right side of the brain in terms of I love spreadsheets, I love data and facts, and this was a teaching hospital. So they would do rounds every morning and all of these doctors would circle around and I would take notes and I had my own spreadsheet to track his stats. And then the other side of me is very spiritual and that side of the spectrum would come in and be very, try to be very quiet and listen. And there was one moment where I made a choice to stop asking, why me? How did this happen? And start asking, what is this here to teach me? And as soon as I made that decision and commitment, everything reframed and it hasn't stopped since. And so I really believe whatever you're going through right now, I mean, adversity is ripe at the moment in the world. If we can leverage it so hard, it turns into an asset, you know, that we can mine those lessons, figure out what it's there to teach us. We're so much better off and it is a different way of life. So that's my biggest takeaway. Wow. It's a powerful takeaway, especially the the spiritual aspect, because I know for myself and my story, not to take away from yours at all, but I've been in places where I've almost died three times. I've almost, I've like, it's been absolutely crazy. Right. And most recently I had meningitis, meningococcal, and I was blind for four days and I couldn't, I could hear stuff, but it was just like this out of body experience of just me being present and focusing in on God and, and what he wanted to really teach me and in that moment. And I don't know uh, your religious beliefs at all, Amy, but for me, it was just that moment where I felt like God was saying, Hey, Jay, where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> why, mm-hmm. why, why are you here? You know, because I wasn't growing. I wasn't doing anything that I should have been doing. I didn't have a growth mindset like I do now. I didn't have the desire to really help anyone but myself. I'm very selfish. So that was sort of like a commitment that I made to myself in that trying moment of, hey, I need to figure out what I really, really want. And there's been moments like that in my life, Amy, as I'm sure it has been in yours, where you just sort of had these little moments of, of trying and you just you needed to learn to just be still and present and listen to, listen to his voice. So my, my question for you, Amy, would be where did your faith come from or what is it for you? Mm. Oh, great question again. I mean, it's a, it's a biggie. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's evolved over the years for me personally. Mm. And I don't have a clear definition per se. I mean, I grew up um, with Catholicism and that was a big part of our household and our, our family, my, my parents um, in their kind of governing beliefs. And then I'd say I kind of went on my own journey, spiritual journey, and I'm still on it. And I, what you just mentioned in terms of being able to listen, listen to that voice, whether you consider it your voice, God's voice, the universe. Mm. Um, I believe we do have so many answers within and I know I can get in my own way. And sometimes I have noise cancelers on and I can't even hear the voice. And, and I really love to bring science in, into it as well in terms of that internal GPS. It's a compass. You know, when you, have full-on body intelligence with goosebumps or you get hot or you're feeling certain ways, you can't really argue with that too much. You know, it's coming from somewhere. So using that as strategy and guidance to make decisions has, has really changed my life because I don't think I had much ability to hear it in the past and I would just force things, make them them happen versus sometimes you have to let things happen sometimes you have to make them happen but knowing when to push on the gas was a hard a hard thing for me to understand so um so yeah I I believe in energy big time you know and following it and and so yeah it's it's been a you know I almost consider it as a hobby to learn more about different points of view and to be open-minded and then blend into my own little alchemy. Mm, I love that. It's, um, it's an important thing to listen to the little still small voice that comes up. And I do definitely believe in energy. Like that is one thing that I've noticed a lot recently and just having that open mind to say, Hey, look, people have, different belief systems. But the one thing we can agree on, especially is the energy (laughs) is that it's there. And what I'm curious about for you, Amy, is were you ever afraid or fearful that if you listen to this small voice that it would steer you wrong? No, I don't think I was ever fearful of it. I think I just didn't really believe it existed. I kind of, I think that I kind of wrote it off for years thinking, ah, give me a spreadsheet, show me the data. You know, I want, I want some proof here. And, um, I just, I run fast anyway. My pace, my default pace is pretty quick. Mm. And sometimes if you get going too fast, the speed won't even let you listen to it. Like it's impossible. So slowing down and, Tuning in, because oftentimes it's a whisper. We'll get a little louder, a little louder, and then eventually you base something will happen, and it's like, no, listen to me. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to force you to listen to me now. I've tried the gentle approach. And, mm. and so, yeah, it's, um, it's my number one business tool, you know, mm. and sharpening it every day. It's like a practice Mm. to tune in and like, okay, wait, what's really going on here? 
getting curious. I love that because the whisper that you mentioned, it relates to me when it comes to, I heard Steven Spielberg, who is like my hero, my, my number one idol when it comes to filmmaking and all that sort of stuff. He had that speech that dreams don't often come in front of us. They come behind us and it's not always like direct. It's not always telling us, Hey, do this. It's a, just a still small whisper that you got to listen to. And I love that. <laughs> it's such a powerful, powerful message. Um, it just reminded me. So thank you so much for reminding me of that. Beautiful. Oh, absolutely. I just watched Steven Spielberg, the documentary on Steven Spielberg. I can't remember what it's called, but maybe Spielberg. it's just his name. Yeah. Yeah. Spielberg. yeah. Um, and what a oh, fascinating, talented soul. A hundred percent. Like when I first, I'll tell you a secret. When I first started this podcast back in November last year, the number one person that I had on my list was Steven Spielberg. He was number one. And I just wanted to sit down with the man and pick his brain, <laughs> ask yeah. him all the questions. But um, anyway, I could, could go on on a tangent about Spielberg. But I want to steer, steer the conversation back to you, Amy, and go back a little bit, back a ways to how you grew up, how you were raised. What, what did you want to be when you grew up? Mm, I wanted to be a flower delivery gymnast astronaut. All three at once. Like, why not, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I I, um, I grew up, we lived in a trailer, in a single wide trailer, so a mobile home. Wow. And my father worked in construction, so we would travel to the next, you know, big job site. And um, we moved a lot. We moved around often. So I went to several different schools in different states. And looking back at it, I realize how much that set me up to welcome change. Sometimes I seek change and it's very odd because a lot of people don't love change, not in all aspects of my life, but, but especially geographically. Um, and just, I can, I can get a little stir crazy. Like I like the novelty of new places and change and it's exciting to me innovation is almost you know it's it's something that I I definitely seek and I want to do what hasn't been done you know go places that haven't been gone so so that set me up for a nice um entry into the world that I I ended up going in and that was technology and marketing and social media and talk about change. It's, Mm. it's changing by the minute. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I'm so grateful for is that solid foundation of adaptability. Mm. Did you go to university at all to study anything? Yes, I did. I went to Arizona state university here in the States. And at the time it was the number one party school in America. So it was quite a fun time. It's a very large state school. Um, and, you know, it was great. It was, it was definitely my first experience in a big city. So I learned to drive on the freeway, which was a really big deal. And, um, yeah, that launched me into, into my career. So, you know, you talk about dreams creeping up from the back or kind of appearing from 
left field. And that definitely happened with me. Becoming an entrepreneur was not on my roadmap. It was not a forward facing dream at all. And luckily I was open-minded because I could have easily put some blinders on and and said, no, I'm going to keep going the corporate world route, but I didn't. Would you rather experience or education? Which would I rather, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Which, Which would you rather experience or education in life? Experience. Why experience? Oh, there's, it's the best education in the world, I think. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get more real than that, right? No. Learn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. The reason why I ask that is because for a lot of people, they feel like they need to go to university to be an entrepreneur or learn all the ropes, everything like that, but they don't need to. And I think the best entrepreneurs are the ones that, not necessarily have been to uni. Like I went to business college and that didn't teach me anything really apart from the fact that I didn't want to be there <laughs> and <laughs> that I wanted to go do my own thing. And I guess for me, I, I want to ask you is Amy, when you started your own business, what was that experience like? How did you actually get started as, as an entrepreneur? Like what was the process like? Sure. Everything I do is an experiment and you really can't fail when you're experimenting. So um, I think oftentimes we look at those big decisions as very permanent and there are very few things that actually are, you know, irreversible. So I, my main goal was to design my own day and have some freedom, have some map freedom, which I value greatly, but also time and the ability to, I work hard as it is, so kind of do it on my own terms. Um, And I thought I was just going to consult. And my first client being Shaquille O'Neal really put us on the map. And I started, the company started growing quickly. And as a first-time entrepreneur in her 20s, um, you know, you're not really set up for that in terms of experience. So you just roll with it and um, learn on the job. And the company grew very, very quickly. And, um, and it's, it's one of those things where you, I think you look back and I wouldn't change anything because Mm. it's all been such a primer for the next step, the next evolution and phase. Um, but I think there is something to be said for, um, ignorance is blessed <laughs> as an entrepreneur. Like you just get going. And if you don't know too, too much about the industry, it might be a good thing because in my case, I think it led to some innovation because mm. uh, I didn't have a template, you know, of how things should be done. They hadn't been done before. So, um, so it was like, figure it out, right? You just mm. figure it out as you go. What's the story behind you actually getting Shaquille O'Neal as your first client? So I worked in the front office for the Phoenix Suns in the NBA, the National Basketball Association. And um, Shaquille played for the team at the time. It was 05, 06 season to the 08, 09 that I worked there. But in 2008, I got a, a call one day from basketball operations. And so Bob calls me and he's like, hey, me, Joe, come down to the locker room right now. Shaq wants to learn how to tweet. And you're the only one that knows what that means. So 
I did. I, I went to the, the locker room. I went down over to the elevator and down. And and if, as someone who works in the front office of a sports team, you're on the business side. It's not every day you interface with the players. In fact, mm-hmm. it's not really allowed. So I figured I'll ask forgiveness instead of permission on this one. And um, I met Shaquille. And, and from that point on, it really changed the trajectory of my career because mm-hmm. I started helping him with his personal brand online and that led to a lot of others and then now what I absolutely love to do is to help people whether it's entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs um, everyday people like myself build their brand online in order to humanize and then monetize their story and and make money off of it while in alignment so I look back at the Shaquille days and um and it was the wild, wild west. And he he's just seven foot tall guy there standing. And he hands me his Shackberry, his Blackberry at the time. <laughs> and, um, and he's like, what do I say? And I said, well, you don't brand yourself. You are yourself. Mm-hmm. That creates your brand. So let's share who the Shaquille is behind the shack. Let's share who the person is behind the personality. And mm-hmm. um and so, yeah, it's, it's like, that's my sweet spot is to help people really uh, bring their story forward in an authentic way that allows them to connect and make those connections turn into conversions. And uh, it's changed my life. And I wouldn't be talking to you today if it, if it mm. hadn't. Uh, so. Have you found it hard over the years with all the different clients that you've worked with to actually humanize each and every one of them or is there one sort of set uh process that you implement for each and every person or is it different every time every person is different but the process is the same whether it's you know someone you've never heard of that's a small business entrepreneur or just looking to launch something or it's one of the biggest celebrities in the world like Dwayne the Rock Johnson I use the same system and setup and it's actually something that I now teach through a class that I offer online called Humanize to Monetize. And it's the fundamentals and the foundation that works that I've learned over time, you know, leading from that who and why, transcending the what, mm. and, and delivering the value and, and being able to identify, well, what is my value? Where should I deliver it? Who should I be connecting with? How do I do that? Um, and, and so it's just, it brings me a lot of joy because people realize the power they have in their own voice and their own value. And it really democratizes what you can do. Mm. Speaking of uh, speaking, we, we spoke earlier about how you met um, your, your now husband, uh, Richard. And yes. I've been curious and I've, always, I've wanted to ask you since you, you mentioned it, how in the world did you meet your now husband? And what was it about him that drew you to him? And we'll go from there. <laughs> I love it. Well, my husband is an Aussie. He um, actually, he's originally from England, but he lived most of his years in Australia in Brisbane. And I was speaking at a conference in the, on the Gold Coast. And so I um, spoke. And then afterward, there was this kind of roundtable situation where it was kind of a smaller, intimate group, not the bigger, big audience. Um, and 
he was at that table and it was kind of a question and answer type of session about personal branding and sports actually. And the next thing I know is um, everybody's leaving and he kind of was lined up. He was wanting to talk but these other people were taking a little too long. So he left and I was like, darn it. I really kind of wanted to talk to him. <laughs> well, he ended up direct messaging me on Twitter so back to social media, right? Um, and said, hey, you know, and we, we connected there briefly, exchanged contact information. And, um, and then the next thing you know is we met up for maybe an hour um, and just talked business and kind of got to know each other. And then as I was leaving Brisbane, he called me at the airport and said, hey, it was just nice to meet you. And like that type of thing. And I was thinking, who calls anyone's days? Usually that's a text message. So he really kind of stuck in my mind. And long story short, we um, kept in touch. But this was after briefly meeting, right? Just literally for an hour. And um, after about six months, our correspondence turned a little flirtier, a little flirtier. And within a year, a year later, we met up halfway, which kind of is halfway Hawaii and um, to see if there were any sparks and there were. And so then within the next four months, he moved to the States and that was nine years ago. So here we are. Um, but the phone call, I can tell you that was a biggie. That was a, I mean, talk about personal branding. <laughs> that was a good way to differentiate. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to other guys, that was the one thing he did very differently. That's wow. Yes. And just his demeanor too, and not being, you know, pushy and just kind of, yeah, he's, he's a laid back Aussie, just kind of not going to get too worked up about much. So I need that because I clearly have high buzzing energy. So we balance each other. That, that's amazing. He's um, from the Gold Coast, so, or Brisbane. So, we say they're like the most laid back, chill. Oh, really? Thanks. to now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious, Amy, like what is it that you love the most about Richard? Oh, gosh. You know, he has this ability to communicate during intense situations that I respect so much. Like he can just navigate some pretty complex dynamics in such a graceful way. It comes easy to him. And I think that's, it's like such a, a sign of compassion. Like he really sees, oh, look at me. I'm like getting kind of teary. How funny is that? I'll have to tell him, like, I did a podcast interview and I cried about you. Um, but no, it's true. Just there's a lot, there's so much warmth and compassion for other people that he has. And it's, he's just steady, super steady. Mm, admiring. Um, thank you for being vulnerable there. Uh, well, I, thanks for asking. I didn't realize that would come up, but no, um, I, I, love ask, I love asking these kinds of questions because it's more meaningful. I, I find, and I'm just curious. Um, I'm always curious about relationships, love, what it actually looks like to people. You've been with uh, Richard for nine years and that's no short amount of time. And there's a lot to learn in that nine-year period. So, like I, I've said that 
love is sacrifice. Love is painful, but love is a strange phenomenon that we all want <laughs> in, in, in each other's lives. And there's no real time limit really on love. But when you say that you love somebody, do you really mean it? What does that actually look like? Is there's always going to be sacrifice attached to when you say it. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what I find is beautiful though. It's a wonderful thing. Um, I, I have a couple more mm -hmm. questions for you, Amy, if you don't mind your book, yeah. your book, um, and your podcast as well. I want to, I want to touch on that a little bit. So you've got this book, which became a New York times bestseller, renegades, write the rules. Where did you come up with this idea to write a book? And do you have any idea that it would become a New York times bestseller? Oh my gosh, not at all. I mean, in third grade, I was um, put into a special class because I was really struggling with reading and writing. So I, I did not have author on the horizon at the time. But um, So yeah, it's the book really was inspired by documenting kind of the process that I had learned and seeing work for so many people, myself included, in terms of, you know, really being able to gain some freedom financially, time, space, map freedom through building your brand online. And, and as someone who grew up in small town, Wyoming, uh, a whole state that doesn't even have a million people and it's the least populated state in the U.S., and wide open spaces, you know, in a single wide trailer, um, the, these tools have been able to, they've, they've enabled me to connect in ways that have created a different life for myself. So I really want that for other people. And so that's, that's the book, Renegades Write the Rules, inspired by my, my boss in the NBA and little did she know um, at the time, but a lot of the case studies and stories that are in there about, you know, some of the, the colorful people that I've told you about, but also um, where I love to play now is working with mm. um, the, the names that you'd, you'd never hear. Mm. And you've also got this amazing podcast, which I actually have and I listen to quite often um, when there's a, an episode that's dropped and I've gone back to your, your back catalog and, and re-listened to some of my favorite ones. Uh, one of which is Mark Cuban. Uh, you did an amazing interview with him. So thank you so much for doing that. But oh, thanks for listening. <laughs> you're very welcome. Why in the world did you decide to start a podcast? Because it is no easy thing to do. Oh, I, I know you can appreciate that. And um, <laughs> it is not, it is not for the, the kind of, you know, faith of heart. So yeah, it was really a passion project. You know, I was going through a big life transition, kind of that I mentioned, realizing, oh, I can chase and grasp and grind and got all these accolades on the outside, but it's not, I don't feel full on the inside. And so as I wound up short, um, even though it might appear differently, look, outside looking in, I realized I have to do some, some real work um, here. And that led me to a lot of questions and I had access to some incredible minds and innovators that I had worked with or had, had come into my, my orbit. And um, so I thought, why not ask them these questions? Because I really 
respect their opinions. And I thought, why not record it? And when am I going to do it? And I was like, well, why not now? And I found myself just saying, why not now a lot to myself. Mm. So I thought, okay, that's the name. And, um, and then the next thing, you know, this little passion project Mm. turned into a much bigger, you know, thing for me. Mm. And, um, it was a pivotal part of kind of reimagining and redreaming mm. of where I wanted to go. It crept up from behind, like you say, like like a Spielberg thing. So it was so innocent and genuine that I think that was a big part of the the success and trajectory. Mm. Who's why not now? Do you think? I know there's probably been many, but uh, who's why not now? Can you think of that inspired you the most? keep going. Wow. We're like on 210 episodes or something. So I'm trying to think of, mm. um, you know, you know, just came to mind is, um, someone that is not a big fancy name, but his name is Lane Wood and he's a friend of mine and he really changed. He did a 180 over the course of a year with his entire life. Mm. He, literally every aspect pretty much turned it around. And, um, and I think what's so inspiring is that seeing is believing Mm. and it started with something small and then it led to the next and led to the next. And I think the why not now renegade mentality is kind of, it's a snowball type of thing that it will just continue to grow as a daily practice where you apply it to something small. And it's like, well, why not try that here? And this aspect of my life and this, and then it becomes a way of life. And so that's what Lane did. Um, you know, we've had, had so many different types of people and different areas of focus. Um, and I, I always love to highlight people that maybe you've never heard of, but their stories are just as impressive of all the names that I interview that you do, you do know. And, um, because I do think it's important to keep things accessible and, and feel like they're tangible um, because we're just everyday people and you have to start somewhere. Oh, 100%. I feel the same way. I bring people on as well uh, from hospitality, you name it. Like everyone's got a story the way I see it. And yeah. when I provide a platform as much as I can for people to share it, um, so thank you so much for, for everything that you do, Amy. You're a true inspiration to me and wanting to keep going and, and all my what now, no, what, why not now moments. <laughs> it's a tongue, tongue twister. I feel like you say that a million times you get. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but two, three more questions, if you don't mind, please. Um, this one may be a hard one to answer. We'll see how we go. What has been the worst piece of advice you've ever received? So the, the, I always go with the first thing that pops into mind and then I give it a second or two and then decide if I'm going to double down. And so I am going to double down on this one. Um, someone once told me to stay in my lane, someone that was very successful, very, had a lot of power and uh, meaning stick with, you know, the world that you're in and, and that, that industry. And, and I think, it has value in certain contexts, but at the time, um, you know, it wasn't 
it wasn't something that was resonating with me. So um, I do believe we have to change lanes sometimes and um, explore. And that's when innovation happens. And that's when personal growth and curiosity comes into play. So, so that might have been it, but I know they didn't mean it in a negative way. They were trying to help me. Um, but I encourage us to really pick our head up and look around a bit, stay focused, but be aware and be willing to try different things. Um, because I, you know, sometimes the peripheral is where those big dreams come up, like we've been talking about. And if you have your head down and you're not willing to be open-minded, you'll, you might miss it. I love that piece of, uh, Worst piece of advice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> which end, yeah, which ended up being really good, right? Because yes, 100%. It's, sometimes, sometimes the worst is the best. <laughs> exactly. That's why what I, not to do. <laughs> that's why I asked the question because no one really seems to ask, okay, what's the worst piece of advice? Everyone seems to ask, what's the best piece of advice you can give me? You know, so I think the worst in failure is oftentimes the best. Um, this is my legacy question, Amy, that I love asking people at the end. You've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it. They just did. We'll call it magic, but they just did. And they're showing it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Oh, to say and show. Oh, wow. I mean, this... The say, I just think of the word, the word renegade and how really writing your own rules for your life can, can lead you to your own destination, right? And um, those love for it to show those every single moment of joy, the boring ones that you wouldn't think would be so impressive, but those just deep moments of joy, you know, just holding my son's hand or... Um, getting excited about a project or a cup of coffee or, you know, seeing something for the first time. So I think a series of those is kind of what it's all about and not the fleeting kind, but the, the ones that stick with you, you know? So hopefully that would be a glimpse. The renegade legacy. I love it. (laughs) So cool. My, my last question for you, Amy, and I apologize if I've gone over time, but this is a more of a fun one. What has been the weirdest food combination you've ever tried? Ooh, the weirdest? Well, it, it'd be hot sauce with almost anything and everything. Um, gosh, weirdest. I like hot sauce on popcorn, on... Um, I, I mean, is that weird? I don't even think that's that is, weird, but that is, weird. is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I just can't get enough of it. And then, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's something called everything bagel seasoning now where it's just like salt, but put it on everything. So it's um, bagel flavor. Wow. That is so weird. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. I feel like that is a, a weird way and a wonderful way to end our, our conversation today. Thank you so spicy. much. Amy. Spicy. <laughs> the renegade spicy lady. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> I've heard worse. Thank you so much, Sharon. This has been so fun. I appreciate how genuine and real 
you've kept it. And um, it's the first time, you know, you've, I've been brought to tears, I think, during an interview. So I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> it makes me feel special. Thank you so much. Good. <laughs> I, I love your podcast. I love everything that you, you do, everything that you put out there into the world. I love being vulnerable, genuine. You've been that. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the Storybox podcast. Ah, thanks for having me. I love what you're doing. Keep going. I don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 